this thing on. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> Happy motherfucking Monday and welcome to Mixed Opinions. I am your host, Kenzie Overmeyer, and I'd like to say thank you a thousand times over for joining in for the very first episode of my podcast. Um, for this episode, I did not plan on talking about anything that was really heavy. I was going to go into some local small town drama type bullshit, but Given everything that's happening in the world, um, I wanted to talk about something that affects not just myself, but every single woman across the country. With a title as tactfully picked as Free the Coochie, I'm guessing that you ladies and gentlemen have already figured out exactly what I'm going to talk about. Yes, you are right. We are talking about abortion rights and access. Um, we've... We've been through the summer. I've had a couple, not I, not just me. We've all had a couple of really amazing holidays, including the 4th of July, Independence Day. And I think that I really started thinking about this subject even more so then. Granted, the overturn only happened shortly before the 4th of July. But as I'm sitting down, sipping my cocktails, very liquored up and stuffed to the brim with all of those cookout foods, um, I started thinking about how this country that I love, by the way, you know, I absolutely love being American. This country has made me feel, or the people of the country, might I say, have made me feel more unheard in recent times than ever it's like COVID hit and everyone decided to go crazy and I know that I'm not the only one that feels that um here lately this land of the free home of the brave has or not has it sometimes can feel like it's land of the free white man and home to everyone else and when I say everyone else, I literally mean everyone else. Like sometimes everyone else doesn't matter. And that's all crazy because we're living in a time that essentially more people can be heard and more people are speaking out. But sometimes it's really easy to get lost in all of the fucking noise. So I hope that in all of this, you're able to listen to my tidbit of noise, I guess. Um, in Free the Coochie, I'm going to be going in on how the overturn of Roe versus Way has really made me feel and how I kind of just think it's bullshit. With all of that, I didn't really intend on this introduction being extremely long, so I'm just going to get started. <laughs> Nineteen when I had my child, I chose to have my child after people, numerous people, were telling me that I needed to have an abortion because I was young. I was in college at the time. I was focusing on school. I had a bullshit part-time job working as a hostess, and all anybody was ever telling me is kids are hard and kids are expensive. 
Well, I chose at that time. So I, I was someone who chose to have my child. Um, I was 19 when I got pregnant, 19 when I had him. And I grew up with my kid. I was somebody that I didn't think would have kids. Like I didn't, I didn't want kids. I wanted to be a career woman. I wanted to focus on that. And the reason I decided to have my child is I was like, you know what? This baby, boy or girl, will love me unconditionally so long as I play my cards right. So that's why I chose to have him. But for someone to be able, but for someone to be able to force me to have my child, that's a whole different feeling. So even though I was young and still chose not to have an abortion, the point that I'm trying to make is that I I cannot imagine what it would have felt like if we were in a world that forced abortion upon us. Um, the same way it's hard to imagine the overturn of Roe versus Wade and now it's left up to the state level, which I know that you know, state rulings are based off of, you know, what a majority votes, but that's not what all within a state, like that's, that's not the viewpoints of all members of a state. You know, there's always an opposing party that's going to happen, whether, whether you are a Democrat, Republican, conservative, or liberal, whatever, you know, it's still based off of majority. It's not all unanimous. It's never going to be. For us to be able to limit the options to women based off of a majority vote that is not truly reflective on what the country as a whole is saying. It's a 60-40 thing. 60 are pro-choice and pro-abortion rights and 40% are against abortion. So what if it was the other way around and all of the, like, I guess people would say, well, it would never be that way. Well, I never thought that this would happen either. I think that we're kind of running around haphazardly making these comments and um these snap judgments about what's going on, but I encourage you to think about what if the shoe was on the other foot and the choice was taken away from you. All anyone's asking for is the choice. We're not over here debating whether or not it's wrong or right, but I would like to have the choice no matter, you know, what my situation is to make a decision for my body without it being something that is so difficult to um, be able to, and without, without the choice being extremely difficult to follow through to the end, I, I just want to be afforded that opportunity. So with all of that, I, I, I would like to today 
talk about a few more things that I feel like we're not really thinking about where we're not we're not over here thinking about if the shoe is on the other foot I don't think that we are wholeheartedly thinking about the women of this country I do not think that we're thinking about the children of this country and I also don't think that we're thinking about um, how it affects the men that help to conceive the children and what that means for them I'd like to start by acknowledging all of the comments um, by, first of all, the women that have had children. Um, so all of the women that have had children, they're like, oh, thank God for saving the children. You know, I love my babies. Thank God, you know, for my children. Um I would like to say that you, that ladies, you love your children because they are yours and you chose to have them. Um, digging at women that aren't in the same boat is tacky, I think. Uh, and then men that are making similar comments, you have no idea what it is like to carry a child. Most of you don't understand the true responsibility of having one. Um, once you deposit your sperm, that's as far as the journey ends for a lot of you, it, that's almost where it ended. Um, that's pretty much where it ended for my son's father. Hate to say it. Um, so, you know, I, I would consider maybe having a little bit less judgment, a little bit more empathy, uh, I would also encourage all of you that are out here trying to shame women for wanting abortions or for couples even that maybe decide that this isn't for them. You do realize that these children that you have chosen to have, you love them because they, they're again because they are yours and because you chose to have them. Had the choice not been offered to you how could that have caused those feelings to change and what if you were someone who was in some sort of impoverished situation or had you know medical problems to where an abortion is what could save you or could save you know an abortion could save a child from a just basically a horrible life we're not thinking about, so we're not thinking about what is going to happen to some of these kids once they're born. So it's very easy for us to throw stones at those that would appreciate having the choice, but you don't know what types of situations they're trying to keep themselves. And ultimately, their un, the unborn child from being in I don't think it's for you to decide whether or not or to judge you know whether or not someone should be able to have a baby it's a big responsibility I will say that uh, my entire life changed when I had mine and um, if yours didn't then thank God for your situation because I mean you obviously aren't, I mean, if you're, if your life situation, your dynamic at home did not change, then you either are not taking care of your child or you're not taking care of yourself. I would like to say that. 
Um, and so you're going wrong somewhere. But my entire my entire life changed. I wasn't able to be 19, and I wasn't able to be a 20 year old. I am gonna be 30 in October, and I think a lot about how I'm gonna get my life back. You know, by the time I'm 38, and it's a happy thought for me. I'm not even gonna lie. I completely enjoy having a beautiful son that loves me, but. Uh, there are a lot of people that are in the same boat as me. They decided to have kids for their partner, and kids weren't a part of their journey. Now, I decided to have a kid for myself, as I previously stated, but it made my journey extremely hard, and I'm going to be honest, it also made my child's journey extremely hard. And if I did not have an extremely strong support system in my grandmother especially, and think about that. That's, that's my grandmother. That's my child's great-grandmother. Um, I don't know what we would have done. And I would shudder to think, you know, raising a, my kid in this extremely dangerous world without a strong support system. Um, and without having the money to be able to give my child everything that he needed, food and shelter, you know, a home, I was going to say shelter, but a, a kid don't need shelter, a kid needs a home, right? It's not a it's not an animal. Um, you got to put a little bit more thought into it than, you know, if you decided to have a puppy. And some of you are literally there again, haphazardly walking around talking about a kid like it's just as easy as having a puppy and it's not. So after these kids are born, what are, what's going to happen to them when they're born into these situations where, they, they, where those of you that have puppies in your perfect little families and you're acting like something's wrong... You, Think about your child being raised in living conditions worse than that puppy at home. They're born into a homeless situation. They're born into a drug-addicted family, mother or father. They're, they're born with parents that don't know how to love them or don't care to. What happens to them? My biological father has never been around. He's been in and out of jail my entire life. I like to sometimes pretend that that part of me didn't exist and that my the, the man that I call father, the man that I call dad, that he was always my dad. I don't know what I would do without him. And he was also adopted, but... And so there we, there we go. That's the solution that a lot of you would jump to. Okay, well, let's put these children into homes. Let's let's um, essentially overrun the orphanages and children's homes. What happens when, I mean, it's not like underpopulation is something that these homes are already faced or is faced with there. There's more children without homes than, than America can essentially handle. There's more children without children without homes all over the world I mean, we literally see commercials where let's donate a dollar, 50 cent, whatever it is. I haven't seen it. I have honestly haven't seen the commercial in a while. I don't watch like um, daytime television or anything. But you have the commercials where you donate to children that are overseas because they literally were born without anything. How are we able, and I know that a lot of you are, well, you know, we got to focus on ourselves. You're not going to focus, 
you're over here. And when we didn't, while we still have that situation in some cases, and while, and you know, you're over here, you're already turning your nose up to help people, to help those that have needed it for hundreds of years in other countries and third world countries. I don't really see you, you know, finally having a little bit of heart and donating more to the children's homes that are here. Uh, maybe that's me being a little harsh, but if you don't have empathy, you don't have empathy. <laughs> like where, if that doesn't come for, for any, if that doesn't come for people overseas, then that's not going to come for the people of this, for the children of this country. If that doesn't come for the children overseas, then that is not going to come for the children of this country. And quite frankly, if you weren't already donating to children's homes, then the more overcrowded they get, you're not going to care then either. So I really don't want to hear that being a solution. I also know people that have been adopted. And what is so sad is there are those that I have heard say that they wish they never would have gotten adopted by their parents. They they might would have preferred to be in a system, but then it's the system until they were 18 and been left on their own. Or they wish that they would have been adopted by, you know, a different family. Or they were in and out of home and they never knew the love that all of you people are talking about having for your the children that you chose to have. So I'm sorry. But children's homes, putting them up for adoption, that's not the answer. These showed that in, in that sense, the children are still being discarded. Um, really, who are you to say that one way is better than the other at that point? Because I live with the notion of being abandoned abandoned every day. And if I didn't have the amazing father, that the amazing dad that I have, I don't know how I'd get through sometimes. Or how I would have gotten through, you know, in my younger years. It's it, when you're so emotionally fragile... Outside of the whole situation with, you know, putting children up for adoptions, we're not thinking about the mothers. We're not thinking about what this is going to do to the mental health or the overall physical health of women across the country. Um, I think that there has been talk um, of there being some instances where if, a you know, abortion was what could save the mother then you know an abortion might be afforded to women that have physical conditions that could you know cause them to die if they brought a child to term I hope that we are at least able to get that far um I'm not necessarily optimistic considering we just took one 50-year jump backwards in time but I do hope that we you know, at least consider that. Um, I would also cons- I would also like to say, you know, ladies, don't necessarily give up hope. If there's women that are listening and you're like, I 
don't know what I'm going to do right now, you're not alone. If you, I mean, I feel like I've been kicked in the vagina too, and I'm not even pregnant, and I don't need an abortion right now. Um, for me, it's more about the fact that I completely, I'm, I'm disgusted by the fact that we fought so hard to be, to receive equal rights to men. And now suddenly we're getting those taken away. Um, but I think what I'm going to do is do another episode, um, that talks more about what can be, what is offered, what is out there, um, to help women that need an abortion or that have been considering abortions for themselves. Uh, there are, you're, you're not, you're not alone. I will say that. Um, but if we're going, but I will say if we are going to make these women have abortions, we should truly consider, I think mental health counseling. We should consider, I think we should personally consider a few things in our justice system um, in regards to rights to children. I don't think that it should be so hard for women or men for that matter, because I'm talking about all of this like it doesn't affect men. And I know that there are men that this will affect. And I'm not naive to that, guys. Um, but I think that directly this affects more women. So how can women on a consistent basis get their child support essentially I'd have to look it up but uh, but the non-custodial parent can get behind on child some more support a significant amount actually um there's not a whole lot that we do or there wasn't a whole lot that was done for me without me getting an attorney to keep my child's father from imputing minimum wage and then he was still allowed to impute minimum wage they didn't thoroughly check what he was making or how many jobs that he had and I don't know and then I actually went back and tried to get it readjusted at one point so my child through my child's father through 10 years of my son being on this earth has imputed minimum wage and he worked for a Lotus dealership at one point in time and yes I said that and this man was imputing minimum wage still um, during that time and when I went through the court system and tried to get it changed, they essentially did nothing. Um, not essentially, they literally did not a fucking thing. Uh, not a damn thing to help me. So I think that it should be more thorough for the non, like a thorough, a more thorough financial check for um, the non-custodial parent or the secondary parent. However, um, it ends up happening for you. I think that the non-custodial parent should have to go through a extensive background check. Um, I don't think it should be as simple as a DNA test. That's not enough. If I, as a woman, am being made to have this child, the man that impregnates me, if they can very, very easily walk away from their rights, from their responsibility of being a father, then I want to know that my child is taken care of and that I'm go going to get help to take care of my child. That is what is important, I think. Um, it should be equal responsibility to both parents and our court system does not do a good enough job at making that happen. I think that there should be a limit on how many times child support should be able to get behind without someone going to jail. Um, 
because I will say this also through 10 years, uh, probably a total of three years, three years altogether through 10 years, I have went through consistent periods where my child's father has consistently paid like what my child's father will do sometimes is they'll get behind and they think that it's cool to just he thinks that it's cool to just simply come in after getting behind and getting a notice from the court system to just pay it up then and then you never know when you're going to get it again you you might have to wait until he gets that um until he gets that second notice from the court saying, hey, you're behind and we're going to drag your ass in here and um, hit you with a charge or you could potentially go to jail if you don't catch it up. Like, that's not okay. I do think that there should obviously be a little bit of leeway on how far you can get behind. But if he's imputed minimum wage and he can, let's just say that he can get behind $1,000, do you know how many weeks I've went without child support at that point in time? <laughs> like, that's a little bit fucking ridiculous. Um, so there needs to be stricter things that are happening in our court systems for these children as well and to help the mothers get support. If you're going to allow these fathers to get behind, or non-custodial parents is what I'll say, to get behind on child support, then you should be able to supplement something for me in return and they should be paying you back. Because if it was you, that if it's the federal government or the state level government that they're having to pay back, then I think that, you know, you guys would want them to have a little bit more urgency. I, the IRS doesn't play with deadlines. So I don't understand why you're letting the non-custodial parents play with money for these children that are in need. Um, there's a thought. Outside of that, I, I, got a, I get a little passionate about that because there again, I've kind of had a non-custodial parent that's been touch and go for the last 10 years. So that's why I get a little bit, um, uh, there, that's why I get a little bit emotional about that. And I kind of veered off. Um, but if we're not going to, if women are not going to be able to have abortions and they should be allowed free or at a reduced cost mental health counseling that could extremely help if you're going to essentially force women to have children that they may not I'm just gonna say it, they may not want or know how to love and I would like to say they may not want them for many reasons it might not be for something malicious and they may not love know how to love them because they don't know how to love themselves um so let's not just take what I'm saying at face value or be very shallow in what you're hearing me say um and maybe not just and I'm not going to say maybe and not just the women but the family should be allowed to have free or at a reduced cost counseling or therapy um I think children the children should be allowed to have that after a certain age as well that was one amazing thing that my child was able to recently uh, use not free or at a reduced cost. Now that was completely up to the discretion of the ch the kids counselor. She was absolutely amazing, a complete godsend. Actually, she helped me and my son get through a really tough time when I had to take his father back to court um, about a year, eighteen months ago. And my my son was seeing her regularly, and she would always make sure she talked with me and helped me get through some really tough times. 
Um, she was able to explain to my son what was going on with his father, explain my role and, and how I was trying to protect him a little bit better. And she just ultimately completely helped. I, I, I don't know what how I would have gotten through that time. And she was able to teach me some techniques and provide me with some help um, for myself, too, to help me get through that tough time, keep me sane and, you know, keep me on the right track emotionally and mentally. So now I still had to pay for that. Uh, it was not necessarily, it was by no means free and it was not at a reduced cost. Um, well, through by order of the court anyway. So I think that the state at the state level, you should offer coupons or you should offer um, free counseling through the state. The same way there's affordable housing, there should be affordable counseling. Um I think, I will say this, I think that Alex Cooper did a really amazing segment. I can't remember which one it was, but it, it's been over the last five or six months. I do know that. Maybe since the first of the year. She did a segment purely on um, mental health counseling and how you could find affordable counseling. In her podcast, she talks about going to her therapist a lot. And so she did a lot of research. I would encourage anybody that's interested in that to go to Call Her Daddy. And, and I was in no way paid to say this, but go to Call Her Daddy, scroll down through there, and she literally has one that's plain as day. Like, I, I can't actually hold on. Okay, so, sorry, I actively listen to Call Her Daddy, um, but what it's called is affording, so you'll go to the November 2021 episode, so November 14th, 2021 episode of Call Her Daddy, it's actually a mini, I believe, and um, it's called Affording Therapy 101, it's really, really great, um, and that can help you. Now, let's move past the financial help and the um, mental health assistance. So I was the primary custodial parent for my child when I was 19 after I had him. Actually, that was afforded to me um, through a court order. I think I was 20. I, I feel like I was almost 21. Yeah, I was almost 21 before everything was finalized the first time it took about 18 months family court sucks I will say that guys if you've never had to go through a family court sucks it doesn't matter um what situation you're in family court sucks um so I was primary custodial parent for my son now that is not how it currently is I am currently Harlan's sole custodian which means um, I'm the only person that can make custodial choices for my son that has no longer been um, that is no longer a privilege that his father has uh, for various reasons that I'll not get into today but for that pri for that secondary or non-custodial parent um, which will in many cases I think for this be the man what are we going to do outside of, you know, the few things that I suggested or talked about financially? What are we going to do to hold them accountable? So I'm more of this person that likes to talk about things as though, like, what if the shoe was on the other foot? I think that if we all kind of 
took that perspective on a lot of things. We wouldn't walk around with our fucking heads in our asses as often. Um, but if we're going to make it illegal for women to abort children, which is essentially you limiting what a woman can do with her reproductive organs and her bodies, are we going to go a step, like to me this would be a step further, um, in the direction of at least equal rights for men and women, um, are we going to do the same thing for men? If we're going to go out of out, for, if we're going to go after contraceptives, and we're going to go after abortions, what are we going to do to limit what a man can do with his reproductive organs? Yes, I said I, I said it twice because I know some of people are like, "Where the fuck is she going with this?" This is where I'm going with it. If you're going to take away my birth control. You're going to take away my right to an abortion. Um, Lord help. If you're going to take away condoms and plan B pills and whatever, because I'm going to be honest with you, plan B pills are going to be my next best friend since abortions aren't off the table. If you're going to go after all my contraceptives as a woman, then I feel as though Men should be held more accountable for what they do with their penises. Or I feel as though if what we're going to do is say that women don't have free reign to do what they want to do with their reproductive organs in the name of reproduction, then why can't men beginning the age of 18 or maybe even 17 be forced to get a vasectomy until marriage? vasectomies can be um vas- vasectomies can be reversed i mean there's we do circumcisions when they're born you can opt in for that as a mom um you find out that a man is out here just busting nuts everywhere ha- you know mindlessly and they're having children left and wa- left and right like uh, I, and then you're not making them take responsibility for these kids because i will say this there are some men that have so many damn children and they don't they don't give a shit i've got friends that are that way and that's sad to say um they'll very very quickly let you know that they have i don't know maybe they have five kids or four kids or three kids and they only take care of two of them and they still got two more running around out there or one more running around out there I'm not trying to throw shade, but I'm just saying, like, they did a lot of it when they were kids, you know, and when I say kids, I say, I mean, like, early 20s, probably before the age of 25, so, and I will say that the the guys that I'm thinking about right now, they're not married, um, so, and they still run around, screwing around, you know, at, over the age of 30, they're, again, mindlessly, almost, sometimes, um, kind of not giving a damn or thinking that the pullout rule is a thing or oh my god one of the things that I heard and you ladies are the oh, you're gonna think this is funny you ladies are gonna think this is funny um I had a guy tell me recently and over the age of 30 male male tell me that you can't get a woman pregnant when she's on her period I would like to take us way the fuck back actually I'm not even gonna waste my time explaining that I just need you ladies to go and speak with your men and make sure or I hope 
that you ladies know that that is a myth. That is not the truth. You can very much get pregnant on your period. You can get pregnant outside of your ovulation window. But, you know, at least during that ovulation window, what if we decided to make it illegal for men to bust a nut? Like if, if a sperm was found, like literally what if a woman could go and press charges on a man for busting a nut up in there during her ovulation week? Oh my God, could you imagine? Doesn't matter if the sex was consensual. It matters that, you know, because it, it matter. It doesn't matter if the sex was consensual or not. It'll just purely matter that he busted a nut inside of her without giving a fuck or without her permission and consent or whatever. Oh my God, the field day, the motherfucking field day that men would have if we literally forced them to get a vasectomy <clears throat> until marriage or if we could press charges on them for simply busting a nut inside of us. But I mean, it's that serious at this point. If you're making women have babies and men can so easily get out of it, then that's where my mind goes. And I don't think that it's far-fetched. You can, I mean, no more far-fetched than what the hell we're doing now any damn way. Um, So that's kind of where I go with that. And I think, and I go that way because I've seen so many walk off scot-free. I would like to say that. I think that... They, they run around spreading their seed. And so if we're not going to put anything, any, anything in place to hold them accountable, like if we're not going to restrict what a man can do with his dick, then why are we restricting or limiting what a woman can do with her vagina? All I'm trying to say is either free the fucking coochie or lock up the penis. Like <laughs> free the coochie, restrict the penis. Now, maybe not lock it up. Yeah, Free the coochie or restrict the penis. That's all I'm going to say. I need my vagina free. Yeah, so to be honest, like, I, I think what I'm trying to say is if y'all are going to, if y'all are going to tell me when, or honestly, if you're going to go after contraceptives and you're going to tell me that I have to ovulate and that I can't go get an abortion or that I can't can't use condoms or that plan b pills are gonna aren't going to be around to help me out in a situation where an accident happens then i'm gonna need y'all to lock down more than just my vagina otherwise like let let thy pussy free (laughs) at this point is how i feel because i don't after everything that i've said about me being pro-choice and about me choosing to have my own child I don't know if that's the path that I want to be on at this point first of all it's hard on a woman's body after the age of 30 it does nothing but get harder on a woman's body and then the more that we approach 40 I actually this is funny I actually had this conversation with a guy who was telling me that kids were not off the table like kids were not not an option for him like he had to have children it was something that If he was in a relationship with a woman, he wanted to have children. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Now, he was telling me that because he truly respected me and he wanted me to know up front how he felt about kids. So I'm not saying this to knock him. I'm really not. Like, if you want kids, then all power to you. And that's exactly what I told him. And I essentially told him, I was like, look, I was like, okay, so... And I don't want y'all to think that we were crazy. This is someone that I had been friends with for a while and we were discussing potentially 
becoming a couple or trying to move our relationship to the next level. Um, it was something I guess we had always been curious about. So we kind of went on a few dates and then because we had been friends for so long for five, six, seven years, um, we started having these really open conversations about where we saw ourselves in the next five to 10 years. And he didn't, he couldn't tell me that he wanted a kid right now, which it wouldn't have mattered, right? We were just now taking our relationship to the next level and we, we weren't ready for that but he knew that no matter what he wanted to have a kid at some point so I started talking to him about the I guess the whole like science behind it all and how things kind of change for women the older that we get and I just told him this too not only you know was it going to be hard on me um, or harder for me to conceive the older that I got, because we started thinking about it, we're like, okay, so we're both going to be 30, or whatever, at, you know, at this time, and, you know, this is just now getting started, it would probably be somewhere, uh, you know, around the two to four year mark, or maybe even five year mark, before we actually really wanted kids, because, you know, I, it's like we kind of laid it out together. We were, we're friends like this. And I know I wouldn't suggest, you know, just laying out your life like this in general. But, at you know, in, in all of your relationships. But we had known each other for so long that we were comfortable doing it. But we just kind of talked about it. And we're like, okay, so we live in two separate locations. Um, you know, we would probably spend the next year just doing what we're doing and trying to, you know, spend more time together. And then maybe after another 18 months or two years, we could maybe think about, you know, getting closer together. And then, you know, maybe we live together for a year. And then after that two or three year mark, you know, maybe we get engaged. Well, how long do we want to get engaged? And then after the engagement and the marriage, like how long do we want to go before we have kids? And so like realistically, Without rushing everything, um, you know, without just selfishly thinking about a biological clock, we were like, you know, three to five years would be about that time when it would be right for us. Well, I started thinking three to five years in the future and my son would be 13 to 15 years old and I could have my, I say have my life back, but I mean like I'm never going to stop being a mom. But I could start thinking a little bit more selfishly at that time. My child's going to, you know, maybe be going off to college or going into the workforce. And I'm going to make sure he has everything he needs. But mom has, me as a mom, I have put my wants and needs kind of on the back burner for the last 10 years. And I've done what I could do to provide for him and make sure that he has everything that he needs. I haven't necessarily got everything that I needed out of out of my life in in the last 10 years and doing so with him. Um, So it ultimately was like a deal breaker for me and that guy. We we chose not to continue with our relationship because he wanted kids. And the more that I thought about it, if, if I could have one, maybe now it would be a little bit different. But if I had to wait another three to five years, I, I don't see myself wanting one. And I didn't want to keep him from, you know, having a kid and making that happen for himself. I say all this, I say all of that to say that, you know, I completely loved the fact that I was able to have that conversation with my friend um, or my potential partner. And we stayed friends after that. We're still the best of friends. I love him to death. Hopefully I'll be able to have him on here one day. And even with somebody like him, and I say like him by meaning like 
he wants kids in the future um we were able to keep our relationship steady because he understood what I was saying um and then also speaking with him on this la- this whole Roe versus Wade thing his comment toward it was like this is some privileged shit uh, and I kind of that's how I want to close this guys this this way of thinking is privileged as fuck to me it's and when I say privileged the ones of you that are not pro-choice you how could you not be living a privileged life a life where you know that you have everything to offer a kid and that's why you think that choice should be off the table All right, guys. Well, I want you to look forward to an episode where I dive a little bit deeper into what we can do in the meantime to hopefully rectify the situation with the Roe versus Wade overturn. I'm also going to do some research and dive into what can help women financially, like what all, just in general, what all financial assistance is afforded to women through the government. In case a lot of you don't know, I would like to do an informational session about that. There again, ladies, if you have been directly impacted by this decision, please don't feel like you're alone and be on the lookout there again for that next episode, because what I have to say, hopefully it'll help. Thanks you guys. And I'll talk to you soon.